Welcome to VB Engage episode 59. My name is Stuart Rogers. I'm with VentureBeat and I am joined by the erstwhile, the erudite, the fantastic Mr. Travis Wright, author of Digital Sense and founder of CCP Digital. Travis, where on earth in the world are you right now? I am in my office in Kansas City. Actually, and uh, where might you be this glorious day? It's interesting that you use the word glorious day. Uh, I am currently in Palm Springs, where it is a balmy 119 degrees Fahrenheit, sir. You're almost on fire. I am actually on fire. Are you near the the sun or what? All our listeners, if any of you are more Celsius-based than Fahrenheit-based, you will recognize 119 degrees as being 48 degrees Celsius. It's really, really, really hot. You're literally melting. You can actually watch stuff dehydrate. You know, you can cut a slice of cucumber and you can put it outside and you can actually watch it turn into a dried cucumber right in front of your eyes. It's uh, really quite remarkable. A pickle chip. You can make your own pickle chips outside. This is amazing. Yeah, you don't need any equipment. You put stuff outside. You wash your clothes, you just put them outside. They're dry in like five seconds. Make yourself Um, some eggs. Cook some food on the uh, bonnet of your car or the hood, depending on which side of the uh, Atlantic you are. Or the trunk or the boot. That's the current situation, my friend. I am recording VB Engage today from a beautiful air-conditioned apartment in Palm Springs. But uh, I will have to venture out at some point, and there is a good chance that I might not make it to episode 60. Well, next week is uh, Mobile Beat, correct? Yeah, we have Mobile Beat, or uh, MB2017, as we're calling it. We like, we're liking the sort of acronym this year, mm. like a nice hashtag, all that good stuff. We're going to be in San Francisco. In fact, when this episode airs... I will be up on stage emceeing the event, and uh, myself and uh, Matt Marshall and Blaze Zarega and many, many more from VentureBeat will be interviewing some of the most amazing people, and we're actually making the entire event around artificial intelligence in you know, mobile and, and beyond mobile as well. Artificial intelligence is the big topic for this year. Last year, Mobile Beat was very much the world's first chatbot conference and we really went hard on chatbots and it was amazing and everybody loved the content this year we're expanding that out to the entire ai story Um, you know it's about how marketers can can attract and engage and convert people and it's all about ai and messaging and personalization and you know we have incredible speakers mike curtis who's the vp of engineering at airbnb is going to be there Rashmi Chatterjee, she's the CMO of, of IBM uh, for North America. We really do have an incredible roster of people from eBay, Coca-Cola, TripAdvisor, Kayak, Pandora, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's an amazing set of people. Uh, really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being there as well. Oh, wait, I'm not going to be there. It's going to be a great conference. Looking forward to that. A lot of great speakers there. Sounds very interesting. Looking forward to uh, our conversation next episode to hear how it all went. And actually, we'll be hanging out that next week in uh, in Seattle at Postback there. Absolutely right. Yeah, we're going to be going to Postback. We're going to take uh, VB Engage on the road once again. So really looking forward to that. We're talking a lot about uh, AI. I remember last year, mobile was about chatbots. But there's still this perennial problem with chatbots, Travis, and we've been talking about this for a while, and it was actually in the news again this week. Mm -hmm. A really cool guest article from Seth Greenfield at Imperson Studios about what it takes to make a compelling chatbot, because the the numbers don't lie. Chatbots are still 
not the number one place that people go when they want to interact with a brand. They would prefer to use the app. And that's despite there being well over 40,000 Facebook chatbots right now. There's over 100,000 on Telegram. But they're not sticking. They're not really getting people to you know, come back time and time again. And that's because they really are not that entertaining. And we're getting the attention of the entertainment industry. And it's really interesting to see the movie studios start getting involved in the chatbot industry because they're writing chatbot scripts. But that's out of the bounds of a lot of people. And what I liked about this article is it laid out a, a nice uh, framework that anybody can pick up on and, and help to create something that's engaging because that's how we're going to make sure the chatbots stick around, right? Right. If you think about these entertainment studios like Universal and Disney and Lionsgate and Blizzard, these are masters of storytelling. And so if they're going in and building scripts for their chatbots, it would just show that they're proficient at building scripts and being entertaining Thus, their chatbot is more likely to be more entertaining. Now, for marketers, though, it says here are the four steps to keep in mind if you're looking to build a chatbot for your business. For one, you need to have a purpose. How does this benefit your audience and how are they going to interact with it? It needs to have a personality. Your chatbot needs a name. It needs to, that unique personality is one that's going to personify your brand. So if your brand's kind of a smart ass, then your chatbot's going to need to be one too. If, if you're all buttoned up, and you know, then your, your chatbot's going to want to emulate that. It's got to be good at two-way conversation. And in some ways, that's hard because of the it's a decision tree for most of these chatbots, right? It's not powered by, a lot of them are not powered by AI yet or deep machine learning. And so there is that two-way communication that, that has to happen. And so there's a lot of different potentialities that people could talk about, right? So a lot of insights and questions that need to be answered. And then finally, we've talked about this in, in multiple steps and multiple times, discoverability of that chatbot is important. And it's tough for some of these chatbots to actually get that visibility and be discovered by their audience. So that's one thing that has to happen. You got to be able to promote that chatbot more effectively. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this, this article goes really nice, not like massively deep into each of those areas. It's still reasonably high level. But what I like was that, you know, that idea that that uh, structure is put in place and then the author goes into a little bit of detail on each one just so that you know exactly what they're talking about. From there, it gives you a better chance of, of creating something that will spark an emotion. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what chatbots have to do. They've got to spark some kind of an emotion. Otherwise, people will just not care about them. And I reckon I'm describing out of the 40,000 plus chatbots, maybe 39,500 of them in terms of no slight on techies whatsoever. I am one still. Uh, I used to be a developer. I started out that way. But by and large, the personality of somebody that sits and codes is not the same personality you want in terms of somebody who can write a good script. Mm -hmm. You know, it's quite rare to find a unicorn that can actually do both because on one side, you've got usually fairly introverted people. On the other side, usually fairly it's right, extroverted it's right brain people. versus left brain in that context, right? It's exactly. sort of creative. You're creating a script. And how is your chatbot going to convey emotion in a way that brings out the emotion in you know, the user that, that's experiencing this chatbot, right? Maybe here's where we cue that uh, emotion song by Mariah Carey. And you can do that. <laughs> Listeners, I'm, I'm, I'm really appalled uh, by that noise you just heard. Um, I'm very, very, very sorry. Carey -ish. What you couldn't see, of course, because this is an audio podcast at this point, is the face that Travis made when he made that noise, which for me was particularly disturbing. But I'll, I'll 
I'll have that as a cross to bear. Hey, don't be a hater on my face. <laughs> what else was in the news this week, my friend? Oh, yes. If there's a marketplace out there right now in terms of categories of business, size of business, that is the hardest to crack, but the one that's attracted the most attention over the years, it's small to medium businesses, especially mum and pop shops, right? I remember when I did my first state of marketing technology report, I found out that actually marketing technology was being used by less than 10% of all businesses in the United States of America. And that was a surprising result at the time because all of the previous research into marketing automation platforms and email marketing platforms and all these other different types of marketing technologies has indicated much higher numbers, but they had done so because most of the researchers out there research the Fortune 500, not right. the Fortune 30 million. When you're a, a small business, you do your marketing, if you do it at all, on maybe a spreadsheet, uh, but usually like a wall planner and some post-it notes and a pop down to your local copy shop to get some flyers. Exactly. Marketing is just one of the 37 hats you wear, right? Oh, I got to do yeah. this and that. I got to be the accountant. I got to be the delivery guy. You know, there's so many things that go into being an SMB. And, you know, really... Small businesses and entrepreneurs are what have always made America great. That sort of go for it attitude has really inspired that throughout the whole world. Being an entrepreneur is something a lot of people strive to be, you know, and it's great that this new tool here is, well, actually it's not due, they've been around for a couple of years, is now really helping focus on this. So Podium, based out yeah. of Utah, right? Podium, very interesting. They're going after this offline business market. That could be anything from somebody that cleans houses through to a you know a corner shop or any kind of thing it's, it's really going to appeal i think to the more of the service providers out there because it's intrinsically linked with the reviews that those people will then get they may not even know they're getting them because they're offline and they'll go over clean somebody's house and then someone will go okay you know five star review on on this platform or that other platform or whatever and you know, if you get like a few one-star, two-star reviews, and if you don't know these even exist, you might wonder why all your business is drying up and you might not be able to do anything about it. So what they've done is really, really interesting. They've actually landed, and I think this is a pretty big swing, $32 million in funding for this marketing software. They're going to be creating 400 new jobs. Um, they're based, uh, basing themselves out of new headquarters in Utah, which is great for that area. They're basically in the business of helping offline businesses communicate with and retain customers through the careful management of those online presences and reviews that are actually out there, whether they know them or not. So say, for example, there's this company in uh, the Dallas area that is a carpet cleaning business that engaged Podium about a year ago. And previous to using Podium, they just had a handful of reviews that were discoverable online. But in that past year, it's grown substantially. They now have about 1,200 different reviews in Dallas and about 600 in Salt Lake City. You know, Stuart, this sounds to me like a consumer revolution. Oh, Travis, <laughs> you, you never disappoint. You never disappoint. Uh, and then I you do, know, and I mean, I do I disappoint. Think, do you, I do. Have you ever done like a – let, let me ask you this question. Have you ever done maybe one of those uh, like 23andMe things to find out where your heritage comes from? Um, I have not, but I know where my I'm, heritage I'm going to guess that you've got German heritage, the amount of words that you just like – put together to make one really long word. Yeah, yeah. The bratwurst you ate before we started recording doesn't count as a little bit of German in you. That's true, but I had Chipotle, so that's different. You don't have any Mexican in you either. <laughs> uh, 
So that's really interesting. I, there's a there's a really long article uh, available. We'll stick it in the show notes. Um, I think you know people should go and check that out because I think they're doing a really smart thing. Real quick though, on that, I mean, if you are a small business and you do not have your mind wrapped around reviews, having a review strategy really can impact your business. In a, especially if you're a brick and mortar where people are coming to your facility or they're finding you for your services, I think it's fascinating. That's a great find. Absolutely, Travis. Look, you found something kind of interesting. I've got to be honest, I'm really not down with it. Explain, because you shared this with me earlier, and I'm still absolutely uh, mind-boggled. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? Crave put this article out, Crave Online, experts predict when artificial intelligence will exceed human performance. So when will artificial intelligence take your job? And they had 1,600-plus researchers of, quote-unquote, the world's leading experts in the field of artificial intelligence uh, in order to determine the time frame for the replacements of human beings by machines. This was Katja Grace at the, uh, the Future of Humanity Institute at the University of Oxford. And four other researchers released this publication, When Will AI Exceed Human Performance? Evidence for AI Experts, available by Cornell University. It looks like they're a little behind in their uh, estimations, huh? I honestly think this is rubbish. You know, I realize that I am calling out 1,634 of apparently the world's leading experts in the field of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. You know, here's why I think, and I'm going to actually bring this up on stage at MobileBeat, because, you know, we're we're talking about artificial intelligence. I think it's important. The graphs here, the charts, we'll stick them in the show notes. Years from 2016, when certain things will happen, they give you the low point, the high point, and the median, therefore, you know, based on this survey of 1,634 experts. Now, what bothers me about this Travis is that there's a, a sort of a, a an extra segment where they've broken out how AI is going to be able to do things like play certain games write essays that kind of thing base level AI kind of content production stuff or you know the ability to play games at a human level now go for example they list go as in terms of same training as a human as something that is either between five and 35 years away from happening and yet we know for a fact that ai has already beaten human go players there's an argument to say whether it is same training as human which is the way that they categorize it here but realistically you might even be just a year away from that it's certainly you know we have beaten go players Uh Um, they have another one here all atari games i've got to be honest there are projects last year that showed that ai can actually play video games at a level that is better than human, including back catalogue of Atari games and Nintendo games and Sega games. World Series of Poker. I'm sorry, but AI already beats on a regular basis human players in poker and has done for many years. How could it be out from 2016? But then some more fundamental things like being better at translating languages than humans. Well, we're not quite there yet, but... You know, Google Translate, for example, really does do a stunningly good job. It's partly powered by AI. It's partly powered by community input. And they've gotten a lot better with that, too, because it's it's not just English to Russian. It's English to Google to Russian, right? They're standardizing that, so there's that, there's that, that medium point. There's a new gadget coming out called, coincidentally, Travis the Translator, where you, yes. you can have a little Travis in your pocket everywhere you go, and all these languages are built into it, so you don't actually need 
connectivity to the internet to be able to utilize this. I bought one just because it's named Travis and I think it's hilarious. I've had challenges when I've been in China and my internet connection didn't work because I'm on a different provider and you think you're in China, I'm going I'm to have super amazing connection, but the great firewall of China works. That doesn't always happen. And I've been in other countries where I was like, I don't know what this says and I wish I could talk. So I think that AI and, and transcribing speech, uh, it's going to happen in a way where soon we're you know, we just have our little earpiece in and it does sound as if they're off on a lot of these things. And how can 1,500 plus of these top AI people be off this bad when a lot of these things have already happened? Yeah, you know, I don't know what they're factoring into this, but, you know, they're saying that um, AI will outperform humans at writing high school essays by 2026. I have seen content produced by pure AI that is certainly high school essay level and it's already happening right now. I've seen already things like AI replacing humans working in retail, which is very important to the topics we discuss here in terms of you know, marketing and, and you know, how to sell products in the 21st century. Uh, they're saying that AI will replace humans working in retail by 2031. We're already getting close to that. We already have artificially intelligent, machine learning powered technologies that use CCTV cameras so that we can completely get rid of the teller. Basically, you'll pick products off the shelf, you walk out, you get charged. That is already available. It's where probably Amazon will go. We talked about this in a, in a recent episode. In terms of other things that the machines can do in a retail environment, well, they can stack the shelves better and more efficiently. We're only really being hampered by the robot technology and the acceptance of robots. So I don't know if they're factoring in cultural change into these numbers, and that's why they're pushing them out so far, because cultural change always takes almost a generation, even with brand new technology, in order for people to be able to accept it. I think they're way out on this. I don't see how they're so far out. You know, to say that things like writing a New York Times bestseller is, as a median point, almost 35 years out from the current day. Yeah. Um, so nobody's going to read it, just they'll have their AI and chat box and read it for them. <laughs> and then... Work it down into a summary and then read them the summary so they yeah. don't have to read the book. Yes, yeah, so they don't um, read the book. Yeah. Yeah. We're all going to be like Wally. eventually. We're floating in these little things, all 700 pounds. We don't go out and do anything anymore. It all comes to us. It's all done for us as we sit and drink Slurpees. I wrote about this in Digital Sense. I mean, the next 20 years is going to change more so potentially than the previous 300 years. Everything is changing in a lot of ways, right? With artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, AR and VR, chatbots, blockchain taking over all these different things, a 5G around the corner, Internet of Things, everything being connected to the Internet. There's going to be so much change between now and the year 2025 that a lot of these estimates from these AI folks are probably way off because they maybe don't see how we're going to have this huge societal shift here over these next five to ten years. And so they might not be factoring all that in. But if you're interested in it, you can read that article. That's in the show notes. And then also the 21-page report. Speaking of chatbots and AI, we have a very awesome guest with us today, right? We do. Um, this is a real treat for me. I really like this guy. I've had the pleasure of, of meeting him in person, which is awesome. And what he doesn't know about chatbots, you could write on the back of your little nail. So uh, I think we should get into an awesome conversation with Mr. Ben Parr, don't you think? Let's do it.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great treat for us today, Ben Parr. Now, Ben Parr, he is the co-founder and CMO of Octane AI. He's also the author of uh, Captivology, and you might remember him from his Mashable days, right? He's also a great keynote speaker, so let's give a warm VB Engage welcome to Mr. Ben Parr. Wait, where's the audience? There is no audience. It's good to be here with the three of us. <laughs> it's us three. Stuart and I are your audience. You don't know this, but occasionally when Travis and I record the news segment, there is an actual cricket somewhere near Travis's room. I am swear there's crickets living <laughs> in his walls because I do actually hear them amazing. occasionally. It, it's like normally right after Stuart tells a joke too, so it's perfect. Strange. That's what happened. <laughs> Very nice. It's awesome to see you, sir. Uh, it's a little odd seeing you looking at you on my screen because I normally see you in person. We end up sort of tripping up over each other in, uh, in San Francisco on occasion. But uh, we've been talking a lot this year, a heck of a lot, about artificial intelligence. Um, it's really come into marketing in a huge way. And, of course, one of the big ways that it's come into marketing has been via chatbots. And since Facebook announced the opening of their API back in, what, April 2016, I think there are now something like forty to 45,000 chatbots on that platform. And, of course... You know, other platforms actually dwarf Facebook you know, in terms of having hundreds of thousands of chatbots. But what I'm seeing from my figures is that they're not getting a lot of engagement right now. You know, Consumers are telling me that uh, if they're given the choice between the app and mobile web and a chatbot, and this is chatbot users as their first port of call in terms of talking to a brand, only 17% are choosing the chatbot as the, as the primary uh, way of communicating with brands. Why, why do you think that is and what can we do to change that? Well, first of all, 17% is actually amazing because I would have thought it would be like 7%. Look, it's a completely brand new technology. We forget it's only been a year since they launched the platform. If you had asked people a year in from when they launched the app store, like, would you prefer an app or a website? The vast majority would have said a website, those apps. They're slow. Will anyone really ever use them? Is Apple just pushing their agenda? But the reality is, one... A bot is never going to be in and itself the end-all game. Like as a business, as a brand, as a product, you need to be communicating with your customers on all the channels in which they exist. So yes, on websites, on social media, through email, through messaging, through bots. It's going to only, that number at 17% is a pretty good number when you really think about it. And it's going to grow, but it doesn't need to be 100%. For bots to be really, really successful. I think what you're seeing now is people creating really good, more specific experiences that really tailor towards things like legal or learning or marketing. And you're seeing people really embrace the fact that, look, when email first existed, it wasn't sentient. You weren't going to have a conversation with an AI through it. It's crazy that we expected that bots and the Facebook Messenger platform specifically was going to open up. Sun, like make you best friends with Best Buy. Just that technology does not exist. Anyone that tells you it exists is lying. It's going to take a couple of years and we're going to get there. But there's clear use cases and clear experiences where a bot can supersede or at least augment what businesses and what individuals and what brands and what everybody's doing today. Absolutely. And it's, it's another channel, right? If you look at it, you just mentioned, well, you got your websites, you have your apps, you have the mobile web, you have chatbots, you have these other, these different ways, social media, all these different channels, live chat on your website, these different places where people can communicate with you. Now, we had Gary Vaynerchuk on on our very first episode. He's notorious for saying this. It's like, look, 
If your customers want to communicate with you with a fax machine, then you better have a fax machine, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. One of my questions around chatbots, because I think chatbots are interesting, but I've always thought they kind of have a discoverability problem. It's hard for people to ma maybe find where to go and explore these chatbots. There's not been a very uh, a mass public accepted uh, repository for these for these chatbots that that people are, are intuitively going to to go find new chatbots. How are are you seeing companies addressing that, and, and what solves that discoverability problem for these bots? I think the first thing I want to say is it's actually crazy to me that people expect someone else will help them with the discoverability problem. Oh, if only Facebook launched a bot store. Oh, if only X did this. Rather than just taking your own des their destiny into your own hands. Look, Octane AI, how we think about it is, you, how do you discover a YouTuber? If you're trying to get discovered, you're not going to like go to a YouTube app store. You're going to find them because someone posts a viral video. You come across it on your Facebook feed and you click and you're like, that's an awesome video. I want to know who that person is and subscribe to them. That's how you discover YouTubers. That's how you discover any kind of content creators. So like with Octane AI, what we're doing is rather than being like, here's a bot, go discover it. It's discover an individual piece of content within the bot. So that's our Convos feature where you can create conversations with your audience in the same way you would write a blog post on Medium. And you get a URL when you write one of these. And you can share it on your Facebook and on your Twitter. You can post them everywhere. And that helps the discoverability issue because in the end, content marketing and all the traditional channels of how you would promote yourself if you were a YouTuber or you had a website are all the things that you should be doing to promote a bot. Discoverability, you should never depend on somebody else for that. This is the thing, you know, with everybody else not coming up with discovery platforms, um, there's been a few websites, you know, that have tried to collate some of the uh, quote unquote best chatbots. Problem with those is that uh, they're not actually ranking particularly well on Google, so they're hard to discover. So <laughs> you can't discover yes. the, uh, the discovery <laughs> websites. <laughs> you know what it comes down to is you, you got to do some good old-fashioned marketing, right, to get people to actually find your chatbot. You know, it kind of uh, goes back to, I guess, um, just the old tenants. I mean, in, you know, things like uh, building your your email list, so that you can actually tell people you've got a chatbot when you launch it. And uh, doing all the good old stuff that just works. I mean, I'm kind of interested in terms of what's next for chatbots in terms of making them uh, maybe a little stickier. So two years ago, uh, if you were in Hollywood, you couldn't have got a, uh, a job as a chatbot scriptwriter. But that is now a job that exists. We've discovered that we need to actually uh, take these out of the hands of the technicians and, and get some uh, people who know how to write good content involved uh, to make them feel more human and make them make you laugh or make you cry or elicit some kind of emotional uh, response to, to the chatbots. Um, you know, what else can we do to just make them a much better experience for people? A couple of things. Number one is setting expectations. If you're setting the expectations, this thing is going to answer all the questions that you have, which is what I think a lot of people are doing. You're going to fail. But if you set the expectations like this bot is for a specific thing, a specific experience, you're going to have a much better success rate. And I think being very clear and upfront about that is really powerful. And then, yes, absolutely, is like getting people who are focused on content to create content, get comedians, get true writers to actually help you write the content for your bot. You're going to be much more successful. Um, work within the limitations of the existing technology. We all have the dream of an AI that follows us across the Internet on Messenger, on Kick, on our websites, on email. 
but that doesn't exist yet. But there are other great tools that can be really effective if you really focus. Those are a couple of the big things. And then I think the last thing I would say is success metric to me is not necessarily people coming back every day to your bot. It's really about when you push something to them, do they come back? Because it's different than, say, a mobile app where people really track daily and monthly usage. The bot is a back and forth kind of experience. The push experience is just as much as just as important as the pull experience. You know, if you're pushing really good content and bringing people in and they're engaging and they like it every time you do that, you also have a very successful bot, even if you're not pushing content every single day, which honestly is not good for most bots because it's a push notification. You have to be careful and you have to be respectful about what you push to people through bots. What are some of the, the more interesting use cases that maybe some of your clients or other chatbots that you've seen out in the space, what are some of those things that are really kind of an aha moment that's like, wow, this is really cool use of chatbots? On Octane AI specifically, we're really like messenger marketing. We're the platform for marketing over messenger. Bots just happen to be the medium in which we do it. I'll talk some celebrity cases and non-celebrity cases because the vast majority of our users are not the celebrities that we're known for. But on the celebrity side, there's uh, like interesting things like with Maroon 5. They're using it to connect with their fans around major milestones in Maroon 5's entire history. And so, you know, they did a contest with us and with Facebook F8 where, you know, you had the chance to win merch if you scanned one of the messenger codes. And it was part of the messenger code launch. And they're doing it in part just because they want to connect more intimately with their fans. And I think you will see more messenger codes from not just Brood 5, but other artists on our platform, putting them up at their stages, putting them up at their concerts so that people can directly connect with them. And then they're using it to communicate the most important things that they care about. And uh, whether it's the concert tickets or whether it is like a major milestone or just a new launch. One example of a non-musician on the platform that I think has a cool one, there's a bot on our platform called Abby, A-B-B-I. It is a medical marijuana dosage recommendation bot. And it is really, really in-depth. And so you can go really in-depth about your symptoms and all sorts of things. And it'll give you really, really precise dosage recommendations, teach you about all sorts of different strains. You could go for hours through the thing and you would still not go through all the content. And they use it like really effectively to teach people as an education tool. Lots of people have been using it and going to it regularly when they're trying to figure out what dosage do they need, uh, what kind of strain is the right kind of strain for me, all that sort of thing. I think Sublime already gave us the answer to that one. It's uh, you smoke two joints before you smoke two joints, and then you smoke two more, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> that is the proper sequence. <laughs> I feel like I ought to just throw in for our listeners, uh, smokeresponsibly.com. I don't know if that's actually a website, but there's a... There's a drink responsibly.com, so I'm guessing there must be, right? <laughs> you, you probably just sent a whole bunch of people to a porn site. That's what you just did. I'm not going to open it because I'm not going to porn. I used to work with a with a guy who um, was, you know, staunchly Christian, really staunchly Christian, and we worked in the in the printing industry, and uh, there was a a type of printer that was from a company called Transformation in the UK. But he, instead of typing in transformation.co.uk, he typed in transformations.co.uk, and he got a whole brand new site that uh, offered him all sorts of uh, surgical options uh, for transformations. And being a storage Christian, he did not appreciate the content. <laughs> Maybe what we need, actually, Ben, is a, is a chatbot that tells people whether a site is safe or not before you go to it. So you type in the site, and then the chatbot says, hey, I've checked this out, and it seems kosher. You should go there. <laughs> 
<laughs> or eventually the bot just integrated into your browser and you type it in. And before you hit enter, it's like, wait a second. Are you really sure you want to do this? Yeah. Are you, are you really, really sure? I, I have another question here about, like, say, for example, okay, I've decided I want a bot. What are some of the best practices that I need to consider before building my bot? And, and how do you get started building a bot? I think in general, people should get the, like, start building an audience on their messenger and then really start investing in what kind of things they want their bot. Get a core idea of like, what do you want to accomplish? What's the content going to be? Get something out. There's all sorts of different platforms and ways. Like if you want to do like a really custom kind of bot, you should build it yourself. You should use a tool like Octane AI. If you want to really focus on marketing, Octane AI is for you. But there's other platforms for like, you know what like you want to accomplish and pick your platform based on that or pick the tools you use based on that. And then I think the really important thing is content. Is like figure out what's going to be that conversational back and forth that you want people to experience. What do you want to lead them to? It's a, like a, a bot for purchasing products is a different experience than a bot that goes through a choose-your-own-adventure and does a storytelling like a novel. Outline like what kind of content you want to write. But you don't need to have all the content ready up front. I encourage people to think of their bots more like blogs. Put out a new piece of content every week. Write a new conversation every week and then push that out to your audience. And that'll bring them back in. And like the same way that you would do an email newsletter. Don't overthink like launching a bot. Know what kind of content. Write a little bit. Get it out there. Start building an audience. Put out new content. Keep it fresh. Know what your goal is. That's an awesome footnote, by the way, because, of course, as with all episodes of BB Engage, we do have a time limit. I wish we didn't because we could talk to you all day about this subject. But... I'm afraid we have to draw it to an end. Um, ben, it's been fantastic and awesome. Thank you so much for being on VB Engage this week. Love you all. Come <laughs> visit me on the interwebs if you want. And where might people be able to connect with you on this fine interwebs these days? At Ben Parr and every social network. M.me slash Ben Parr if you want my bot. And OctaneAI.com if you want to try out our software for free. Thank you kindly for jumping on. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ben Parr, for joining VB Engage episode. Great stuff. Love what you're doing over there at Octane AI and the chatbots. Great stuff. Thanks for being on episode 59. If you guys missed episode 58, uh, we had Rishi Dave on with us, and he is the CMO over at Dun & Bradstreet. Uh, we talked about account-based marketing and, and databases and how you are able to market more effectively uh, in today's age, especially if you're doing some B2B-type marketing. So if that's your jam, make sure to tune into that one. And next week, uh, we have the one and only Gary Nix on talking about social media engagement and uh, some other great stuff with that fine gentleman for travis wright goodbye and for Stuart rogers it's on chien we'll see you guys next week <laughs>